My name is Monica. Thanks so much for listening. This is Small Business Help and Digital. In recent episodes that I've published, it's been pretty much coronavirus-based. We published three episodes yesterday specifically targeting different kinds of industry and how certain tips and suggestions may help your business model change and adapt for these times. On today's show, I'm taking an excerpt from Talk El Paso, a radio AM talk show typically published, or you can listen live on Saturday mornings from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. The host is Andrew J. Polk, and he took time to speak with doctor-prepared nurse practitioner, Dr. Tanya Marin, asking about children and coronavirus, specifically within our community, but this can be applied everywhere. So without much further ado, I'm including that audio in this episode. Feel free to send me an email, monica at yourfavoritemedia.com, or go to our website to chat with us instantly at yourfavoritemedia.com. Thanks so much for listening. Joining me now, we have Dr. Tanya Marin. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me here. And you run the Children's Night Clinic, right? Yes, at Santa Teresa Children's Night Clinic, yes. And what are your qualifications? I am a doctor prepared pediatric nurse practitioner. All right. So at your practice, who do you usually see? Children. Children primarily? Anybody, yes, anybody under the age of 21. Okay. That's what the definition includes now? Yes. Okay. They cut me off at 18 back in my day. All right, so you see children and you see them for a variety of conditions, but with our current concerns going around nationally and, of course, with people in our community, a lot of people are wondering, what should I do? With all the high-level stuff that we've been talking about and that is on the news, if it comes to the situation where you think someone in your household might have it, is showing symptoms, what should those people do? The first thing to do would be to call the office. Not necessarily show up, but mm-hmm. call the office and, and uh, talk to us. Let us know what's going on. Um, that phone call is important because they can, we can start weaning out those patients that can be seen in the office quickly versus uh, don't come in. Let me just tell you kind of take care of how you take care of yourself. Because yeah. there's definitely a lot of concerns <laughs> out there. Some people might think that, oh, no, what if I have it? And calling and making sure you have the correct information about what the situation is can help allay some of those fears or determine if something more needs to happen. Correct. So if you are having symptoms, um, we're going to ask you to come in with a face mask so that we can, um, the minute you're walking, you're not spreading it to the other people that might be in the office as well. But in the office ourselves, we have uh, taken a few extra measures. One of the things that we've done is we've asked all healthy kids to come in before 5 p.m. Hmm. and then all the sick kids to come in after 6. So we really are going to try to keep the, the healthy kids healthy. Um, and then if we know that you're coming in with possible signs of the coronavirus, then we're going to ask that you come in with a mask. And if possible, that you uh, wait in the car uh, so that we don't bring in that that uh, virus again. But I think waiting in the car can be a- applied to anybody who's sick just because, mm-hmm. you know, somebody else walked in with a coronavirus and here you are right. uh, with something else, uh, you might actually pick it up as well. So what are the symptoms that we're, we're talking about here specifically? What are the... I'll start that one more time. So what are the symptoms that we're talking about here specifically that we're looking for when we're talking about the COVID-19 coronavirus? 
So the most common symptoms that have been reported so far are going to be um, like kind of cold-like symptoms, a little runny nose, a little sore throat. It's mainly the coughing that comes mm -hmm. with the pneumonia that it becomes more of a, of a symptom. Um, the cases can be very mild, so you might have just to cough for a little while and then everything kind of clears out on its own. Um, there's, there's even some uh, vomiting or diarrhea have been reported as well, mm. but not as much. So it's mainly going to be that coughing, that sore throat and coughing. Those are going to be the, new, the, the most important symptoms, plus your fever, of course. Right. One of the things I've heard is that specifically one of the things that kind of differentiates it slightly from other forms of regular flu is that it's a dry cough, is that it's a, a non-productive cough. Has, has that, from what you've seen, been the case? So I personally have not seen that. Right. Virus. Yeah. Not none in our community <laughs> right. as of last report, but from the information that you've been looking at, has has a dry cough been a difference that can slightly be seen there? So a uh, dry cough versus a, a moist cough from mm -hmm. you producing mucus from your lungs. So when you have a pneumonia, that's exactly what happens. You start producing excessive mucus. Mm -hmm. So to say it definitely a dry cough, not necessarily. It's not necessarily. Okay. Yes. Very important to know there. So if these symptoms happen. Uh, go to your primary care, find out the information that you need, and, and then what should happen. So once once we've identified that you do have the, the, the you do have the symptoms, we're right. not making the diagnosis. Uh, we have to think about it very rationally. So what we can do is once you come in, we'll do a viral panel that can be ordered, um, and the viral panel includes the most common um, viral infections that are, are present at okay. this time. And if any of that comes back positive, then you kind of can relax, it's not the coronavirus. But we're still going to ask that you go home and right. that you can stay away from other people and until until we can confirm that it is or it is not the coronavirus. If the viral panel comes back negative, then that's when we're going to go ahead and refer to uh, the hospital so that they can go ahead and do a um, actual coronavirus um, study. We don't have those available in all the labs right. uh, because they're so specific for the very sick people. Um, but if we do a viral panel and we find out you do have some other kind of viral infection, then you know we're, you're going to feel a little bit better. But you're still going to need to stay home and take care. You're still nurse. sick. Yeah, you're going to nurse yourself. Yes. Yeah. Um, and nurse our children, of course. So those situations will be handled as as is appropriate for those. But when it comes to if the confirmation does end up coming down, more information is coming out practically by the hour about how testing is going to work and how it's going to be rolled out. Uh, President Trump speaking on Friday said that there's a, a goal of having about 5 million tests available within a short period of time. So as that comes out, as the testing becomes more available, if it is confirmed in your case, uh, the listener's case, that they have or someone in their family has this, what should they then be, be doing if they then are then... as the testing becomes more available. If it is confirmed in your case, uh, the listener's case, that they have or someone in their family has this, what should they then be, be doing if they then are then put in like a, a quarantine situation? So quarantine means stay away from everybody, right? Um, so let's say that you're the parent of a child uh, and, and the child does not have coronavirus, but mm -hmm. you do have coronavirus. We're going to ask you that you um, keep a mask on. 
um, around your child as much as possible. Maintain as clean as possible because any time that you cough, it is a big droplet, mm-hmm. um, and it does reach about uh, 10 uh, feet in, uh, in front of you. You know, the whole um, area of contagious is right. about 10 feet um, uh, diameter. And so if it does fall, um, maintaining clean surfaces uh, is going to be very important, ma- ma- making sure that you're washing your hands frequently before you touch the child, before you cook, before you eat anything. Just continuously remember to wash your, your, your hands. Um, if you can send your child to grandparents' house mm-hmm. or to somebody else, that would be even better. Um, so staying away. Uh, from other people is a, is a main as a main point. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have symptoms, so you're going to treat the symptoms, and they're go- like we treat any viral infection. You're going to get uh, um, maybe a cough syrup, maybe an antihistamine, mm-hmm. a nasal spray. You know, just things to help with the symptoms. If you're coughing, you might need a butyl. You know, it just it all depends on how you're presenting. Eighty um, percent of the cases are mild, right. so um, and go away without any complications. So the important here is to remember that you want to keep the, your rest of your family safe around you. Um, so if you're in, in a car, you're driving with somebody else who has a coronavirus, the sick person should be wearing the mask, right. not, not the healthy person. Because the point is to keep it contained at that Correct. point and not to like, just prevent the other person from maybe being exposed. Correct. But if you are the caregiver of somebody who has a coronavirus, it's in your best interest to perhaps at that time uh, put a mask on um, and not touch your face and make mm-hmm. sure you wash your hands, you know, that type of thing. Um, but it still comes down to just treating the symptoms, nursing it at home, drinking plenty of fluids, taking Tylenol Motrin for the fever, and then, of course, uh, making sure that you're not spreading it to everybody else. Cleaning your countertops. And right. fortunately, the CDC has identified just about all cleaners uh, that have Clorox in it right. are perfect for cleaning. And you can use any mask uh, because it's a large droplet. It doesn't have to be a specific mask to protect or to contain. Right. And even if you weren't able to get specific specific cleaners, soap and water is effective in, in many cases. Yes, uh, especially when you're washing your hands and that type mm-hmm. of thing. For countertops, uh, soap and water might still be a little bit difficult, but yes. Yeah. If it's as what as you got, it works. Yes. yes. So that's very important to note. Clean, yes. So we talked a little bit about yourself, uh, keep yourself away, maybe keep yourself to a specific room of your house if you're taking care of kids, maybe do the same kind of thing if they have it, but mostly just focus on alleviating the symptoms if there's those minor cases. Correct. Now, if you do develop dyspnea, which is the difficulty breathing, and you start developing chest pain, then that means this pneumonia is getting worse. Um, if your fever gets worse, higher, more consistent, then that's when, and that is, then it's time to go to the emergency room and seek care. So it's uh, difficulty breathing would be my, my number one mm. uh, sign of symptom that you need to make sure that you get uh, seen by a provider. Don't wait too, too long. Um, once you are in the hospital, then they'll be able to provide the, the support that you need. And it might just be oxygen, which is something you don't get at home. So, yes, uh, if you're having difficulty breathing or if your child becomes, they look like they're breathing too fast and are starting to have difficulty breathing, then they need to go to the emergency room as well. Uh, If you're just joining me, my guest right now is Dr. Tanya Marin with the Santa Teresa Children's Night Clinic. Uh, If you want to find out more information from her and about her practice, you can visit childrensnightclinic.org. So with all of these tips, all of these things, the situation is still developing. We're keeping the updating you on the latest here on News Radio 690 KTSM. But as we learn more about this, and particularly with the people that are most vulnerable, who should be most, I guess, particularly in if someone in your family has it, who should be the most 
or should you be the most aware of the possibility of spreading it to that might have the greatest risk factors? So what they've identified is actually the elderly or people that have had some kind of uh, um, um, illness. Mm. So we're talking about our diabetics, our uh, asthmatics or COPDers or anybody mm. that has any cardiac issues. Um, so the, the most, the heaviest amount of uh, uh, population that has had the coronaviruses are between the ages of 48 and 58 years old. Mm. And those that are at risk are going to be your elderly, 90s, 80s, or anybody who has any of those three uh, uh, things that I just talked about. So children have the same amount of risk as any adult, but they don't have the, the same amount of risk for complications as the mm. elderly do. They haven't had that time necessarily to get some of these other complicating issues. Correct. Okay. So they're, they're at risk like everybody else, like all of us are, but they don't have the risk for the complications. Okay, so very important details there as well. All right, well, I think that's about as much as we can get to here for this segment today. I want to thank very much to my guest, again, Dr. Tanya Marin with the Santa Teresa Children's Night Clinic. Thank you very much for talking to us about what the information currently is for this COVID-19 coronavirus and how to take care of it in your own home. Thank you for having me. Most certainly.